Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Jazz Mostert, and you're listening it to... Is, look, it's Inside great. It's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bulk, so... Um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but... But we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickhead, you could say. It's just, it's, they're just, there's <laughs> good racing and I enjoy it. From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. Hello and welcome to another edition of Inside Supercars. Joining me, the voice of V8 Supercars, certainly at the track, Chad Nalen. Good evening, Chad. Uh, good evening, everybody, and a big warm welcome to all your listeners. Looking forward to this one. Lots to digest after a big round over here in the West. I'm, uh, I'm still over here at the moment, so I'm going to live up a couple of days of sunshine before I come back. Yes, well, the man who joins us as well has already had his home race. It's Richard Crowell, and Crowell's a year and was interesting to see that uh, it was wet, dry, and plenty of action. Enjoy the sunshine over there, Chadley, because it's rotten everywhere else uh, down south uh, here in not-so-sunny South Australia, and indeed Victoria as well. But a very good evening, everybody, and what a weekend of motor racing that was. Not just in uh, supercar land, but all around the world there was stuff going on, but so much to talk about out of Barbagallo. Mm. Now, of course, we had to get you on early in the month of May because you're off to the States <laughs> to go to the, the 100th running. And I, I think you're also going to check out the Grand Prix of uh, Indianapolis whilst you're there. No, I missed, missed the Grand Prix, unfortunately. Uh, I, I need to be in Oz for the next round of supercars at Winton, so that's the week after. Um, but, yeah, on a, on a plane direct to the States the Monday after the next V8 round and uh, very much looking forward to the 100th running of uh, the Indianapolis 500, Craig. You know very well that I'm quite a fan of the old IndyCar racing and love the history of that event in particular. Um, Actually spoke to Brett Murray, Crusher, just two days ago uh, for SEN in Melbourne and um, he's, of course, got Matty Brabham running for Pertec Team Murray and I'm looking forward to going over and and checking that operation out and they're all excited about the build-up to a race that is... Officially, by the way, a sellout. 250,000 grandstand seats have been sold. It's just remarkable. Yes, and uh, just a few more seats than available at Barbagello last weekend, Chad. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm super jealous of Crowley heading over for that one. It's going to be an awesome time to be in Indy. Uh, but the, the, I've, I have been go- obviously going to this race over here at Barbagello since I was a kid, and I can't remember a weekend where the racing was quite that good there. That was two of the best races you could possibly have hoped for. The Crowley, uh, Crowley, the Lousy come back <laughs> on Saturday. Both both gods in their own right. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, great comeback from Lousy on the on the Saturday race. That was just so cool to watch. And then we were promised a pretty good two versus three stop strategy race on Sunday, and geez, it delivered. In fact, uh, going before we even get to the races, the qualifying on Saturday, Krause, that was pretty controversial. Twelve cars getting their laps in before the track goes red and uh, no amount of pleas from cars that started further down pit lane was going to get that decision changed and have those first cars wipe their times. Yeah, look, that, that was it was difficult, wasn't it? And, and look, to be honest, Chad's probably more qualified to speak on that as to the conditions than me because he was there but um, watching from the comfort of my living room with a refreshing beverage in hand um, it looked like one of those decisions that 
Um, poor old Michael Massey, who was race directing on the weekend, filling in for Tim Schenken. First round he'd missed since, I think, 1985, which is remarkable. Um, it, you know, there was going to be a red flag when we saw Michael Crusoe, wasn't it, off down at turn one. There was going to be a red flag. It looked like, from where I was sitting, that they tried to stay green for long enough to get as many people a lap time in as they could um, while the track conditions were still conducive to doing that. But ultimately, they had to throw the red. My personal preference would be that they, as soon as they saw Caruso's car off, they throw the red. And in a wet, dry qualifying session, these things happen. Um, and to be perfectly honest, it's a reward to the teams that are at the pointy end of pit lane for their efforts last year that they're the first ones that get to go out and bank a time so they were the ones that were advantaged and qualified first through, was it 11 or 12, wasn't it, at the end of that session? So, look, it's tough, and you can analyse it until the cows come home, but in the end, it was wet at the end, and it was dry at the start, and some people got lucky and some didn't. Fortunately, it didn't ruin the quality of the motor race we had that afternoon, as Chad touched on, and it's one of the great touring car races of the last uh, four or five years, I think. Mm-hmm. Was that the first storm in a teacup, Chad, when, when we did have that uh, red flag situation? I think people, obviously the guys that didn't get their lap in, were well entitled to be upset about that. And I think they were going to try and see how much longer they could get through, but then when Mostert speared off, it was like, OK, well, now it's officially dangerous because he nearly went barreling into Caruso's car that was stuck down there. So mm. the thing that probably got overlooked, obviously it was, in, it was impressive watching Waters get his debut pole, but when you consider the guys that got their lap in, to put waters, even though there was only 11 cars that crossed the line before they put the flag out, the, the 10 guys that he beat home yeah. in that session, unbelievable. He beat Van Gisbergen, he beat Moss, he beat Winkup, Lounge, Winterbottom, all these guys to that pole position. So hopefully it doesn't overshadow what a huge you know, achievement that is for, for young Cam. And it was uh, fitting that we saw the new driver take the pole and then also have a solid performance and I guess in some ways it was a bit like uh, Chris Pither who also had a solid performance Richard in that race but that that and and I'm glad you brought Chris Pither up because I was really impressed with the job he did and, and like Chad I've seen a lot of, of uh, Crispy through the ranks of V8 racing and, and other categories and he's a hell of a steerer but it just proves how important qualifying at the front of the field is or towards the front because if you're buried down the field your strategy options are limited you're caught up in all the melee that happens when 25, the world's most competitive touring car drivers all barrel into turn one and it's often very, very difficult to show your capabilities, but all of the PRA cars were very strong there he put all that bad luck he had a couple of rounds earlier in the year where the two badly damaged cars, it's all behind them now, he qualified well and, and that set his whole weekend in motion and he was strong throughout Saturday, he replicated that with a really good qualifying performance on Sunday and raced pretty well in that Sunday race um that was a really good performance. But you're right, um, terrific job by Cam Waters, and he was always going to feature in the results somewhere at some point this year. I think a lot of people thought it might have been later in the year, but he's a hell of a talent. We all know that, and it's going to be good fun watching him evolve. And maybe as the season goes on, there might be a bit more pressure on M. Winterbottom and C. Mostert from uh, from the Monster Ford because he's a hell of a steerer. He's... Just on the on the Pitha subject, just quickly, guys, as well, with that Saturday race, they all kind of fell away a little bit with the tyre deck, but... Crispy was actually the first pro-drive car home out of the four. Yeah, he did a better job than the other three looking after his driver, didn't he? It was a really good drive. Yeah, it was killer.
it was. And uh, we'll take a break and then we'll talk about Craig Lowndes' drive back through the field next on Inside Supercars. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with Chad Nalan and also. So Richard Crowell and Chad Lounsey's drive back through the field. It was a gamble, but as it played out, it didn't matter one little bit. He had that race on toast with those better tyres. I can't believe more people didn't go for that strategy. When they saw him dive into the pits, they still had another lap. Maybe two laps would have been pushing it to have gone to the same strategy as he did. Uh, Winkup in the post-race press conference said that he was expecting it to rain. Rain would completely have negated that strategy of Craig Lowndes to, because they all would have had another pit stop to make. <clears throat> so it was a huge risk, yes. Uh, I can't believe more guys didn't go for it to at least cover him. And then they all got showed up. But if that storm had hit the track, which came on like the second last lap, if that had come 10 minutes earlier, we would probably wouldn't be having this discussion about how amazing the win from Lowndes was because they all would have had a, an extra pit stop and, and Van Gisbergen would have won it. But it must be so fun to be in a race car when you've got tyres better than everyone else out there and you can just drive by them like it's a PlayStation game on easy mode or something like that, which is essentially what he was doing. But he still had to execute it. He still had to pass the 20 cars in 20 laps. He still had to get around them all, despite the fact it was relatively easy. He did not put a foot wrong in doing so. So it was an unbelievable thing to watch. I think it played both ways too, and and that... It really played to his style. He's got that brilliant shallow corner entry, and everyone talks about it a lot. Um, Neil, Neil and Mark in the, the uh, Fox Sports commentary were talking about it. I'm sure you and Matt Nolte in the, the big screen commentary were as well. But I think Barbagello plays to that, especially down at turn six around the back of the cold corner, the back of the track. And he got that really shallow entry, which gives him such good drive out. But the thing that Craig did, and he did it on Sunday as well, was that he, he looks after his tyres so well. Um, and whether that's just his style or the fact that he's got four million V8 supercar races to his credit um, might have something to do with it as well. But he looks after his rubber. It, it's a great story. And, and as great as that tactical call from Ludo was, you're right, um, he did the job behind the wheel. And it's just so good for the sport that he is continuing to do it. And there were so many of my friends who aren't involved in the sport directly but follow it closely at the start of the year that... They read a lot of the things we were talking about was that, you know, is this the, the first phase in a retirement plan for Craig? Move him off to the, the separate car, move him out of that Red Bull stable. You know, the real people in the sport knew that that wasn't the case and he'd still be competitive. But there was probably a question mark. It's so good to see how quick, how consistent and how damn fun a racing car driver he is to watch and <laughs> continues to be after so long. Yeah, and uh, 105 victories in the Vert Supercar Series is where he sits at the moment. And on Sunday, which we'll talk about in a moment, we couldn't be uh, 
help from thinking he might get 106. But a few other a few other of the results out of that race. HRT, Chad, where do you really think they are? Well, um, I probably put them in the same barrel as as DJR Penske at the moment. A little bit, um, a little bit Katy Perry esque at the moment. Hot than cold at the moment. They. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> off the trailer in Adelaide, amazing. They were right there with DJ Penske then, and then they were fighting with DJ Penske at Albert Park, and then at Simmons Plains, they were all nowhere, uh, and then same again at Phillip Island. So it's it's uh, the the Penske guys at least picked up a podium there. But it's funny how we're saying, wow, the, the Penske cars are having such a great year. What a great improvement. Um, HRT is second in the team's championship at the moment, and everyone's mm. shit canning him. I just they're not going that badly. They can't qualify to save their life, but they dig themselves out of a hole week in, week out. And as soon as they figure that qualifying thing out, they're going to be back in it in a big way. Mm. Now, the other thing we haven't spoken about, Richard, is the fact that Triple Eight had their three in-house cars, one, mm-hmm. two, and three. Will Davison in a, in a factory, uh, sorry, not in a factory, in a supported Triple Eight car, coming home in fourth. And then I think your next Triple Eight car was uh, Lee Holsworth, wasn't he, in 15th place. So um, something there about those, particularly those four at the front of the field. Oh, yeah. It, look, it was going to happen, wasn't it, eventually? Um, and, and there's going to be races this year where they dominate. But part of the appeal of this season for me is how... You can go from looking like a superstar in one race and being P-Nowhere the next, and that's why it's so competitive and so open this year. And, and that's exactly what Chad talked about with the Holden Racing Team, is where they've always been strong on street circuits, and they unloaded and were amazing at Clipsal 500 and then have been anonymous since then, but, but raced really well at Barbagallo, and, and as you mentioned, are strong in the points. Um, and DJRTP is exactly the same, and there's probably even a couple of other teams that have had glimpses of good form but either haven't carried it on or had dramas in the races that have had have cost them. I think the, the performance of Will Davison, not so much the performance, the continued consistent performance of Will Davison for me is one of the real delights of this season as well. Um, and, and his fourth place, it was almost a podium um, and a pretty solid run on Sunday as well um, and continues to factor in the championship points and rack up those points. You know, he was strong at Phillip Island and we're all talking about him there, and he said, look, you've just got to give us a bit more time to, to get this thing sorted, and we'll be right. Um, the fact that he was competitive there at Barbagello as well was a great sign. And if Techno are strong at Winton on the brand-new surface there in two weeks, and I'm sure we'll get to talk about that in a minute, I think you'll all be looking at that car for the rest of the season as being a real factor, and that might just prove their championship credentials. But good signs. Mm. And what about Nissan, Chad? Uh, well, Rick Kelly was running right, right with them on the weekend, wasn't he? Right at the front. Um, Caruso had a really off weekend. They had that issue in the Saturday race and then uh, off the back of already bringing out the red flag. Um, Dale Wood seeing Dale Wood and, and Todd Kelly was sort of a mid-pack. But Rick Todd has... Kelly finished seventh in the Saturday race. Yeah, and he was on the lounge strategy, so he was the second yeah. car to, to put the second set of slicks on. So yeah, he played three, and... which is a good call. Yeah, I think McLaughlin and Bright was the other guy on that on yeah, the strategy. Yeah. They came they came flying through at the end. But yeah, Rick Kelly clearly flying the flag there at uh, at Nissan. Love what they were doing on the weekend with their, their very interactive. Uh, they've got like the the 
what do you even call it, the engineer's screens at the back. So Nissan are always yep. looking outside the square a little bit, and uh, they're going to be obviously thrust into the limelight very soon with all the manufacturer talks. And But apart from that, I mean, it, it, was, it was an okay weekend for Nissan. Mm-hmm. They've got a win team, don't they? It, it, it's... It was great to see Rick driving well. I'm frustrated because I rate Rick as a driver, and he's a terrific racing car driver and still is as good as he's been. You just wish that he was able to finally get some results. I thought he drove brilliantly on Sunday. He was really good, smooth, looked after his tyres. The car was good, um, was right in the mix the whole way. They played the strategy game really well. You know, I feel a bit that he should have had more race wins and, I don't know if more championships, but certainly more success than he's had in the last couple of years. It's, it's been mm. it's been frustrating to watch if you're a Rick Kelly fan. Indeed. True. Look, we'll take a break here on Inside Supercars, but there's plenty more to talk about when we return. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as the supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and it's unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. And before we go on to the Sunday racing in particular, Chad, uh, you being the local Western Australian amongst us, do we really need to take a serious thought about using the access road into pit lane? We've seen a number of cars getting uh, a punt up the rear end as they try to make the entry on the start-finish straight. A, and two, we even saw Mark Winterbottom spun out as he yep. was trying to make that entry. Yet there's this perfectly good access road as you come down the hill. Mm, yes and no. I always thought the same thing. And then I did a track walk with Adam Ardrum on Thursday, and I asked him about that. I said, why don't they use this entry? It looks so more natural, you know, almost like Phillip Island. And he pointed out a really clear fact to me that I'd never thought of. If you overshoot that entry the one that comes in on the back straight, you're going to end up racetrack and you're going to have almost a, a premier Courtney moment if you really get it wrong, especially if it was a wet race. You come flying down there, you're doing 250 on approach. If anything was to go wrong, and think about how many cars run off into that sand trap at the end of that braking zone. You're mm. going to not go into the sand, you're going to end up either hitting oncoming traffic or ending up in the wall, which Jeff Emery hit in the GTs. So the more you look at it, you go, this looks like it would make sense, but the potential of a disaster there is huge if someone was to get it wrong. So I think we almost have to put up with what we've got. But you could always do like you have at Phillip Island where the 40k zone kicks in well before you could run into that trouble. Yeah, but you've still got to get it stopped and if you've got brake dramas and you have those at Barbagallo or like Chad said, if it's wet, I, I get that. Maybe they need to peel that pit entry off even further up the hill and whack a chicane in halfway through in a gravel trap or something like that so that they can do it. I, I agree that the current system's not ideal, but it's kind of the lesser of two evils, isn't it? It's just really yeah. awkward. And there were some real moments that it must have looked pretty wild from the track, but on TV with that camera at the bottom of the hill that follows the cars around the final corner and then you get that rearward shot over that kerb, 
and there were so many blokes having huge dramas getting the thing stopped and turned across the road and big flies as they tried to get the thing slowed and, and into pit lane. It's pretty spectacular to watch, but yeah, probably preferable than drilling somebody in the door as you uh, fire across and that he breaks uh, from the other pit lane. Yeah, yeah if you're going to come across there and hit a 40k zone at that pit entry, that's a hill, remember, that's a blind crest. So mm. if you're pulling over to the right-hand side to, to pass someone, like a lot of guys do there, you're going over that hill too wide, and there's a bloke jamming on the brakes on the other side of that hill to try and make that pit entry, it's, it is a bit too dangerous. But the thing that we brought up in commentary on the weekend, I know it's very unorthodox to go giving your pit strategy away, but you reckon in a situation where you're going to bring someone in, it might just pay to tell the guys of the team that's directly behind you that you're coming in. Mm. I know it's almost a bit NASCAR-esque with you know, spotters talking to each other, and there's no way that pro driver in a perfect world would want to give away their pit strategy to let them know that they're pitting in this lap. But for the sake of not getting turned around, it would probably be a little bit safer to just say, hey, guys, we're coming in this lap, by the way. Here's, so an, here's another idea. Why don't you mandate that if you're going into the pits, you have to put your blinker on? Because you should have to indicate to get that you're going in, and that good luck then, it. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, guess what? First time someone gets a drive-through because they didn't indicate into the pits. What if they put like a blend line, like yep. a solid white line that started before the apex of the corner? So no, because then you take it. No, then you take the apex of the corner away. Yeah, it's a tough one. It is. No, it is indeed. Um, we'll, well, we'll leave that in the too hard basket and we'll move on to Sunday. Mark Winterbottom takes his first win for the year, his first win in the Bottolo Racing team. And, uh, you know, he sorts of sorts out a bad weekend after, as we said, he was spun out in pit lane at one stage during the race weekend. Yeah, I think that was Mark, probably Mark Winterbottom's best solo drive, I think, in his career. And the way he managed that, performance and he was on the different strategy and he kept his head when Aaron Russell passed him towards the end um, but also with the, the the mental pressure, we all know he's champion and he can deal with it but of, of rebounding from that horrific day that he had on Saturday um, was terrific so really really good drive and it was great to see him win and of course he was the 8th different winner of the season from the 9 races so which in its own is a remarkable statistic um, it was a really good drive, really measured drive but, I mean, he was gone, wasn't he? He was absolutely gone with five laps to go because the way that McLaughlin and Lowndes and Van Gisbergen were mowing him down and then the lap car drama, um, he was as good as gone and was going to be lucky to finish on the podium. But um, the way he rebounded in the end there and, of course, Scotty and Craig having their little scrap for second probably helped the course. Um, it was a really, really good drive and just reminds us all why he won the championship last year because he's a hell of a racing car driver. Mm, indeed, Chad. 238 days since his last win. Wow. Yeah. Unbelievable, isn't it? Sandown. Um, and it's hard to believe, obviously, he went into the championship conserve mode at that point. Uh, mm. But this is this could be the beginning of another little hot streak here. Back to Winton, where he won the Sunday race last year when Chaz spun off. Uh, they locked out the front row both days, was it? No, just the second day they locked out the front row pro drive. So... Um, they've got the speed back. I reckon we're going to see them... Yeah, it was the first day they locked up the front row. Get my yeah, days mixed yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to see Frosty's speed return here. Uh, he was lucky, yeah, because Scotty said... Scott McLaughlin said in the post-race presser that he had a go at seven on the second last lap, got too excited, left himself vulnerable to Lowndes, and then he had to block Lowndes at turn one, and that gave yeah. Frosty the 
30 metres of track space that he needed to hold on. It was just such a good race at the end there. Lots playing out. And it was uh, exciting because we had Scotty, Craig, who were both a set of tyres down, being able to drive through the field. And I know when I was making my notes uh, from the weekend, I've gone, hmm, Lowndes, basically, Lowndes sacrificed a set of tyres to get the same amount of points the next day, but only had to go half as far to do it. And that's a stickling point for me, as anyone who listens to the show knows. But in the end... Even on that, um, even on that uh, abrasive surface, losing that set of tyres—sorry, sacrificing that set of tyres the day before—didn't impact on on many of the drivers' Sundays. No, yeah, it I, breaks it on. Sorry, go on, go, Chad. I, no, I was just going to say I couldn't believe it myself. I thought Lowndes mm. committed to a two-stopper mm. the, the next day on Sunday because of that. It blew me away that they three-stopped. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think they they were just so confident in the way that that car was going to look after its tyres after what they'd learned on Saturday as well that they just sort of they went for it, which was great to see. Uh, it wasn't it a good race though, and and you sort of in the middle stage of that we had absolutely no idea who was where, and because you got guys on two stops and guys on three just trying to play the strategy out, and you just had to have faith that in the final ten laps it was all going to all going to play <laughs> together. Itself out. Yeah, yeah, and, and which it did. Um, and you ended up with four cars on two different strategies within a second of each other crossing the line and scrapping for the lead. So it was it was a well, really, really good motor race. The funny thing about it was actually three cars and three strategies because, yes, McLaughlin was a two-stopper like Winterbottom, but he pitted on the same lap, essentially, that Lowndes did. Yeah. The last stop. McLaughlin so drove middle. Yeah, this most unbelievable middle sector of the race. Yeah. I was, he was turning lap after lap after Frosty's pit stop. He went like 10 more laps than Frosty for his second stop. And when Commissary were like, okay, this lap will be coming in. Okay, this lap yep. will be coming in. And we think, what's he doing? And then somehow he managed to pit and get the same amount of laps to the end with Lounge. It was just phenomenal. Yeah, I think that went missing on the TV a little bit. They, they didn't quite... It was difficult to document that amongst everything else that was going on. And, and yeah. he popped out. He popped out at sort of the same level as CL, and everyone went, "Okay, so he's on a similar strategy as Craig." So, that, that, yeah, I agree. With you. That was a really, really how, good how drive. Does, yeah. How does a guy that two stops mm. race a guy that three stops and pit within the same lap at the at the last pit stop? It did, it, the yeah. math didn't equate. It was it, phenomenal. Their, their long run performance was awesome, wasn't it? And Very. doesn't that bode doesn't that bode well for later in the year when we get to some seriously long motor races for that Volvo? And they're they're stringing together a season now, which is tremendous. Well, it was a great rebound, wasn't it? What was the vibe around that camp like, Chadley, after that that race and after all the dramas of the week? It, it conveyed on TV, and I thought Scott spoke brilliantly, chatting to Rihanna, um, well, basically on the podium at the end of that, and, and his comments about. How he had to be a leader and bind the team together. What, what was the vibe like at the track? Because it looked pretty epic from where we were. Yeah, he's taken it upon his shoulders, that's for sure, to really be a, a team leader at the moment, which is a big thing for a dude of less than 23 years. Yeah. Um, but apparently it was uh, it was Barry Rogers who really fired the boys up. Not You'd think Gary, but Barry was the guy that set everyone down on the Thursday night, I think it might have been. Because he said all the engineers and the mechanics, everyone was dragging their feet on the track walk, and everyone, you know, the bottom lips had well and truly dropped. And Barry got the team in for a big huddle, and said, you know, we're gonna we're gonna show these blokes what we're made of. We're gonna fight. We'll be matter, and we'll get out there. And they just picked their socks up and went and kicked ass. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's good though, isn't it? And and so many times we see this in the sport where 
the people behind the scenes are great like that in galvanising a team. But but in the end, because the driver is such a focal point of the team and the sport, that a good performance from a driver can do so much on its own, in isolation, for the motivation of a team. And and you saw it back in the days when Schumacher was rebuilding Ferrari to his own means and what that created there and how he galvanised the team and built the team around him. And, yeah, really important, I think, what Scott did on Sunday and that team achieved on Sunday for their, for their season. And with, you know, just on Barry, it was so funny, a lot of social media comments were like, who the hell is Barry Rogers? You know, people <laughs> not realising. But I think we're starting to see Barry step up a bit here. I think this is actually yeah. him moving into an even bigger role within that family and within that team. You know, Gary's seven years old. You know, I think a lot of the future deals are going to rely on Barry now. Indeed, and uh, there is a transition going on at that team. And, uh, look, need to ask you a question. Here's a question without notice. Who were the biggest movers in the race from your memory? And I'm just interested to see, who do you reckon, uh, and this is to both Chad and Richard, was the the biggest movers across the the course of Sunday's race? Because... I was quite surprised when I looked at the numbers. Without having results in yeah. front of me, I'll struggle with this. Um, Courtney, Courtney jumped up, uh, like he started almost mid-pack, so he went up quite a bit crazy. Eight, yeah. eight yeah. places he came, he finished in eighth. Yeah. And yeah. to help you out, Scott McLaughlin got seven places, yeah. but he isn't, in, he isn't in the top three. James Courtney is in the top three, though, with eight place gain. With didn't, an Moss, game. didn't Moss start right in the back and where did he finish? Um, in the second roll. You, you, Clearly I'm wrong because you know who they are. <laughs> Uh, I can't even see where Moffat was. But I can tell you that Michael Caruso got 13 positions to finish in yeah, ninth. Yeah. Yeah right. yeah, right. Okay, that, wow. That, that's an impressive drive. 13 positions in this, in this field. Um, mm. And then Percat and Scotty McLaughlin with seven. Yeah. Um, were the other two, in my eyes, big movers with Courtney on eight. Compare that to last year where Coulthard started last and got a podium. Mm. Yeah. So, the yeah, kind of track I, where if you get on the right tyre at the right time, you can just slice up. Yeah, it gives you something, doesn't it? And once again, Richard, short tracks. Short tracks make yeah. for good racing. <laughs> uh, didn't we speak after Tasmania and said, can we just race every round at Clipsaw and then Simmons Plains and Bathurst? <laughs> and now let's throw Barbagallo into that mix. Uh, it's great. It's a great circuit. Even if that had a surface like Winton, for example, or um, a, a surface that didn't have the unique to Barbagallo aspects that that place does, it would still be a really good racetrack. Because it's old school. It's got some fast commitment stuff. It's got a big stop into a straight into another big stop, which always pr- promotes motor racing. It's a fact. Um yeah, great place. Really and, good. Yeah. And if it has a, sur- a surface like what I'm hearing, the Winton surface is now like, it'd be like 55-second laps, Chad. <laughs> oh, yeah, it'd be yeah, it'd be even quicker. I think the Audis were cutting 53s there in testing. They were, yeah. For the GT, which is just crazy. I think 52, 51 now is the outright lap record and mm-hmm. some open-wheel monstrosity. So if it, had the, if it had that level of grip, it might lead to better racing, but the... Deg numbers being so high also leads to good racing, which is why we saw the lounge strategy. Yep, indeed. It's always been good, though, that place. As long as I've been watching touring cars, there's been consistently good racing at Barbagallo, and it's the same at Simmons Plains. They're just old-school, old-fashioned racetracks, and mm-hmm. Malala was, was always the same. 
biased because I live near door, but next door. But ha. it's always been the same. Um, the, those old school racetracks just promote good old fashioned motor racing. That's the question though that we go from that surface at uh, Barbagello last weekend to Winton, and it will be the most complete different transformation <laughs> from one track to another that we're ever going to see. It because is brand yeah. new sticky surface. They're going to be doing unheard of lap times at Winton, and all of a sudden where everyone's trying to generate grip from these cars, they're going to go to Winton and they'll be trying to dial some out probably because the place is going to be so sticky and so far. The Friday practice session could be fantastic where you see your cars oh, yeah. hiking wheels going in through cool. the middle of a corner. Hey, a break on Inside Supercars and we'll return with more right after this. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Bolt Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And And you're you're listening listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with Richard Crowell and also Chad Nalen. And guys, we do need to talk about the Dunlop series because whilst you look at the results and you see Jack LeBrock wins three races, race two, Chad Nalen, was an absolute cracker, if not one of the best ever in the history of the Dunlop series. It was awesome, all right? We were up and about at that finish line, especially the commentary box there's looking down on the finish line. And Mm. so we were seriously up and punching the air when those two were on their way to the finish line. Um, really good race. It had all the drama with uh, with what happened to Gary Jacobson and Andy Jones at the beginning, but um, I, it was surprising that LeBrock didn't weave his way through the traffic much better than he did, and that's what gave away the two-second advantage back to Golding, who started 10th in that race, I think, from memory, I might add. So that was a cool drive. The, um, what it probably means for that category at the moment is the whole three-race, two-set-to-tire rule brilliant works so well because you end up getting these guys that decide to roll the dice earlier in the weekend let's use our good set now let's try and save it for later and that's what gets us different results so you can have a progressive grid but still get different results like it's almost with entirely different qualifying so yeah i really do dig the current format for dunlop series yeah it certainly has been building some great races richard it's got do you know what feeling it's got boys is that amazing four-way fight with mclaughlin percat um, mm, Mostert, Mostert uh, year, doesn't it? Um, and, and all four of those guys have gone on to do great things in, in supercar. It's got that feeling about it with LeBrock, Jacobson, Golding, um, the ex- um, Todd Hazelwood, the experience of your Dumbrells and your Andy Jones. Um, mm-hmm. You know, guys on the fringe that are having some solid performances like Shay Davies, who was really fast on the weekend. Bryce Fullwood's been quick. Um, Taz Douglas in the game. But between those young blokes at the front, it's got that amazing season of the McLaughlin year written all over it and that yeah I watched all three of those races uh, on the weekend on on TV and each one of them had something going for it and a story to tell what got me though I've known Jack LeBrock for quite a while and and three Formula Ford and and his GT stuff and I got to know him quite well but and he is is absolutely a very chilled out bloke but was that the least amount of celebration for someone who's just won a race by half a tenth of a second 
in the history of the sport. Just got out of the car, waved a bit. Yeah, that was pretty good. Thanks, Rana. Nice drive. Yeah, good. See you later. Just so late. Like... So relieved yeah. to get some points back after what happened to Philip Island, I think. Mm. Yep, well, it's certainly uh, made it a very interesting series, the Dunlop series, at, from memory, the halfway point of the... Yeah, of dead the... even, by the way, in the point. Mm. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be good. Look, uh, a couple other issues. I had to, uh, I have to mention, love reading Bruce Newton's stuff, as we all do, and uh, his article for motoring this week where it says uh, supercars CEO James Warburton and his management team must be thanking the motorsport gods that the category goes racing this weekend of course it was talking about the news with Volvo withdrawing and and a few of the other things that have been troubling the supercar series one story that did release over the weekend and I don't know Chad you're a long way away if you've been across it but I'm sure that uh, Richard is, is uh, the uh, Geelong advertiser made the announcement that the street race is not going to go ahead in the uh, Cats yeah. cities. Yeah. I don't think this you is know, really a V8 thing, though. This is more the <laughs> Geelong City Council has got a few things going on at the moment. <laughs> yeah, some problems, the, the, the fact they all got sacked by the government <laughs> was one thing, but <laughs> isn't, that's a story in its own. It's just remarkable. Look, yeah. I, I, I refuse to be... I saw some people on social media critical about, A, V8's wanting another straight race, and you're going to get that, but deal with it. It's the way the sport's going. Um, but critical of the Victorian <laughs> government not spending money on it and not wanting to spend the money. I was like, oh, come on. Like, this is a government that not only funds Formula One, um, and tracked with that, but also funds MotoGP and World Superbike to Phillip Island, which they've just renewed for both with long-term deals to secure them. The Victorian government does a lot for motor racing and spends a lot of money on big-time motor racing events. So I'm not going to be critical on them saying, no, we don't want to help underwrite another motor racing event when they're already spending an enormous amount of money on it. I'm okay with that. Um, Let's get Gosford up and running, and and the New South Wales government is keen to spend. Let's get that up and running and then worry about Geelong down the road if that ever happens. Yeah, agreed. Tell you what worried me about the Geelong advertisers' coverage of uh, the story. They had an Auckland Steel Falcon in one of their photos, an SP Tools Falcon in another photo, and a Lucky 7 Slade car (laughs) in the coverage of it. So I wonder if they had the reject story written a few years ago. Well, I was going to say, they're probably just still living in the year where they won the premiership that year, I think. (laughs) <laughs> All right, and then, of course, uh, Fogues has uh, put out an interesting story as well over the weekend, and which was focused on the fact that it's no longer V8 supercars, but it's certainly going to be a V8 series for a lot longer, Richard. Yeah, again, this is, this is all stuff that's been talked about for a while, and, and that for those in the sport, has been plainly obvious that there's going to be V8s in it for a very long time to come, because... At the moment, there's very few people with the resources and the ability, not the ability, but the, the cash to go and develop a brand new engine. Um, and the irony is that all the talk is that if anyone's going to do it, if and when Holden re-up their commitment, it might well be them. And they've been probably the biggest, well, they have been the biggest single supporter of the current formula since its inception and, and even before that. So, yeah, it's much to do about nothing, I think. But the branding change... It was inevitable that some elements of the fan base were going to get up in arms in that. 
But it was probably the same, and, and I honestly was probably too young to remember it, when they went from Australian Touring Car Championship to V8 Supercars in 1997. Um, and that brand changed, and it changes again. They evolve over the years, and it, the, the core of the product is still there. And they've even signed a nice new sponsor that uh, means we can keep the hashtag fairly similar when we transition over to that at the end of the season as well. So that's, that's important matters like social media are taken care of. So you reckon it'll be hashtag VASC? Well, why not? The, no, the, it's already been sent out. It's in, an internal email has been sent out. That is the hashtag. All right. There we go. Perfect. Yeah. Yep. Easy to picked, it like, picked it like a dirty nose there, Richard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just, but, ha- but from a commentator's point of view, have you been given instructions that you now call it the Supercar Series, the Supercar Championship? Yep. It's so... At, we've, we've dropped V8. It's now, you would notice it on the coverage on the weekend, we're calling it Supercars, mm. Supercars Championship. As of Townsville, it'll officially be the Virgin Australia Supercars championship but it's it's all right to work in a couple of virgin australia uh you know name drops in between uh, it's so hard to get out of the habit of i called it v8 supercars at least 20 times in the weekend it's going to the take me that, at least a year to drop it <laughs> yeah the, the fact they're still transitioning branding over and uh, the dunlop series podium backdrop still had v8 supercars on it and in fact yeah. i think the, the main podium the main one well. did too, yeah but, yeah well there you go but you know it, but that's what the transition's about Chad, yeah, can correct, you... but go on Chad, do one thing for me. Next time when you're over near that podium, can you put the three and the two on the right bloody steps? Yeah, and oh mate, and we should also be doing three, two, one, and three, two, one. Correct. <laughs> this, this is an ongoing debate. This one, I'll, I'll, I'll put in a word. I'll see what I can do. Yes. <laughs> you get my vote. Yes. It yeah. is annoying. <laughs> It's such a tiny thing. It It shouldn't matter, but it's so frustrating. On top of that, the third step's higher than the second step. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I don't understand how we get it a bit so wrong. And then you get to the press conference and you never know which side they're sitting on. Mm. Yeah, correct. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You'd think the the FIA would have, like, guidelines, wouldn't you? (laughs) This kind of thing. (laughs) Protocol. (laughs) Indeed. You get fined if you don't do it. Yeah, That's correct. right. Yeah. Well, they find you for everything else. I just, I just want to have Vladimir Putin at our uh, in our green room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the most awkward television you've ever seen? That was gold. Three of one drivers just just having a chat, and there's Vladimir just staring at them. <laughs> Imagine Mal- Malcolm Turnbull on the election trail and goes and visits country Victoria in two weeks' time, and he's just standing in the, <laughs> the press conference room staring at Craig Lowndes after that race. <laughs> I oh. hate to tell you this, but that memo went round today too. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Anyway, no, I do, Jess. We need to take a break and we'll have a final thought and then the game that is rocking the nation, ripped off from 360, who would you rather be? Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels through the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. 
Hi, I'm David Reynolds, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. A final thought or observation, Richard Crowell. I knew you'd come to me first. Um, <laughs> well, you're going you? to Indy. <laughs> you're going to Indy. I'm going to Indy, and that's very, very exciting. Um, my final thought is that we're, we're lucky as a sport that the racing is so good at the moment, because otherwise some of the political issues, like the Volvo drama, might spill over and be talked about too much. But, but the quality of the motor racing this year, and I hate to sound like Mark Scaife here, is as good as I've ever seen it. Um, <laughs> it, was, it, was re- it was really, really good. Like, the racing is unbelievable. We haven't had a dud race this year. We're going to be all really frustrated when we do have that one inevitable quiet race where someone wins by 10 seconds. But it's been really, really good. And, and the number of positive comments, as distinct from all the negative idiots on social media... There's so many positive comments about how good and high quality the racing is at the moment. So the more we can focus on that, boys, the better, I think. All right. And uh, final thought or observation Sorry, from Chad Nolan. <laughs> Crowley was operating at a very high level then. That was <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, uh, my final thought, it's one of those, since we're supercars insiders, I thought I'd give everyone a little, uh, little inside scoop on the weekend. Walking through the, the main gate into the, the pit area, which you boys would have done over the years mm-hmm. at Wanneroo. Yep. Um, they've got a media car park which is set up at the gate. You usually get a good parking spot over there at Barwigello. I used to actually put up the signs for those media car parks when I was a kid. Anyway, yep. I digress. Walking through the gate yesterday, I kid you not, the very parking spot that is a metre away from the gate itself had a sign on it saying Roger Penske. And I thought, that is the coolest thing I've seen at a racetrack. He has his own parking spot at V8 races. At Barbagello, no less. Uh, no, I, how good is that? That is, <laughs> You know you've made it when that, you've got a sign up, you've got your own personal parking spot. Oh, that's cool. All right. Cool. Now the game that everyone loves or loves to hate. Who would you rather be? Chad Nalen, you can go first since uh, Richard went first the last time. Yep. Who that. would you rather be? Richard Crow. Ryan Walkinshaw <laughs> trying to yep. keep Holden. Or Ryan Story, who will have his choice with Team Penske on which manufacturer wants to remain. Have you seen Ryan Walkinshaw's girlfriend? <laughs> Haley, Haley's like the, one I'm, of the nicest girls ever. I'm absolutely taking Ryan Walkinshaw. He lives in Monaco. I He's will. The son of an absolute legend of motorsport. He's got all of this at his feet. Lock me in. A. That's the easiest question you've ever asked me. Well. Ryan Story does listen to the show, so you Sorry, just burnt yourself there big time. I think even he would say <laughs> on that one. <laughs> Richard, Richard Crowell, who would you oh, rather? Sorry, you're going. You, you I, thought, I thought I was going to pick between the same, and I was going to, definitely going to say Ryan Story, because who wouldn't want to work for Roger Penske? But Chad's <laughs> argument was convincing. <laughs> he, was, he was turning you, was he? <laughs> Go on. All right, multiple engineer champion Mark Dutton. Or defending V8 Supercar Champion, Mark Winterbottom. Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? No, I'd be Mark Winterbottom. You have, you have to be the racing car driver. Because yep. as much as we've all talked up the engineers over the last couple of years especially and their role is important and all that, you're going to pull the chicks as a racing car driver, so why, why racing car driver? You've got to be a racing car driver. Seriously. Jeez, it's all Come about on. the chicks with you two guys. What, what do, you drive? <laughs> do, you drive, do you drive a laptop or do you drive a 650 horsepower race car? You've got to take race car. Mm. All Any right. Day. Well, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see what the socials have to say about uh, 
who would you rather be this week? I have had a request, Chad Nayland. You have to come on the show with Matt Nolte, and I, I don't oh, even no. think it was a don't family. Me- I don't even think it was a family member of the Nolte's that actually suggested it. So uh, no, we'll see it. how that Great. goes. I, I, I had got back to them saying, "Yeah, sure, I'll do that." But um, Great. the radio airwaves and the internet is not big enough. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> And one of you the won't other... get a word in edgewise, Craig, that's for sure. Well, <laughs> the difference we'll tonight, the intros and we'll take it away from there. <laughs> the other interesting one is we didn't even get a chance to talk about uh, David Reynolds and the Erebus boys going out to Kiwanam Multiplex. We'll have to do that once we wrap up the show. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Supercars. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device, search Inside Supercars.